Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. Hi, welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast. Today I'm talking with Mike Cullen, the co-founder of Sastock. How are you Mike? Hey, Ron. Good, thanks. Tell us a bit about how Sastock has grown since it started. Sure, yeah. So um, Sastock started in 2016 uh, with 750 attendees, first conference in the RDS, um, just for a bit of background, so SASTOC is a B2B software as a service conference. Um, it's specifically for founders, senior executives, and investors in B2B software as a service companies. Um, so yeah, since then, second year was 1,500 attendees. Uh, last year, year three, was 3,000. And we're looking to grow to 4,000 this year in 2019. Um so yeah, October RDS again, 14th to 16th of October. Um, we're you know 50 countries represented, um, and as I said, a mixture of founders, execs, and investors from from all over the world. Really, like predominantly Europe, but we get a lot from the US. We get a lot from you know across EMEA. Um, so yeah, it's it's growing every year, and and people keep coming back. So we're we're very happy about that. Yeah, and now you're in the main hall as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So taking up more space every year. We have lots of exhibitors. Um, you know, it's uh, it's quite a cool feel. So obviously the name Sastock kind of comes from you know Woodstock or whatever. It's kind yeah. of a festival feel. So we like to keep it quite casual. We like to think we're a little bit cool. We're probably not like you can't really be that cool when you're a tech conference. But you know, in terms of like the the experience on site for people and you know DJs and food trucks and that laid out like a like a like a festival really yeah. and try to keep it nice and casual and make it a more relaxed atmosphere for people to kind of network and engage with each other. Because again, if it's too stuffy, you're not gonna, you know, you're gonna feel out of place at times. Sorry, is it? If it's too stuffy. You feel oh out of yeah, place. if it's too stuffy, exactly. Like we don't go for, um, you know, we don't go for the hotels or the, you know, co- conference centers or that because it can be, it can be exactly as you said, too stuffy and, um, you know, difficult for people to to really just relax and and get to know each other and, and start sharing and connecting, you know. Yeah, and also finding fitness companies and then then there's this dress code if it's too fo- formal. Yeah. A lot of people technically now nowadays are used to wearing like jeans and vans and this jacket. Yeah, yeah. We're we're very much a jeans t shirt yeah. and, and runners kinda kinda uh, conference for sure. Yeah. We don't have a we don't have much of a dress code at all to be honest. And, yeah, yeah. you know, we do lots of the kind of pub crawls and parties and all that kind of stuff as well to, to create that kind of festival atmosphere and uh, and get people um get people talking to each other and, and uh, connecting, you know? Yeah, because I find that in the past I've had comments and I think, oh, my overdress or overdress. You yeah. know what you are. <laughs> and also I feel that in tech nowadays, I don't see people wearing ties. And why are you wearing ties? Because I remember years ago when I used yeah. to work at my old job, yeah. I, 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 I'd be repairing PCs. And when you're playing PCs, I had to wear. I was wearing ties. Why am I wearing tie in case it gets caught in the, caught inside the the computer? Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. No. Absolutely. So I mean, we'd be kind of typical of, I guess, the the kind of SaaS startup culture, right? And that very kind of relaxed atmosphere, and and we try to try to create that atmosphere in, in the conference as well. So you know? couldn't it be like crossing Richard Branson and Steve Jobs. <laughs> we'd we'd like to think so. Yeah. I, I'm not sure, but <laughs> I mean, I mean, clothes wise, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. I very rarely saw those two. Either, very rarely wearing a suit or a tie. Absolutely not. No. Yeah, no, and, no, and in a sense, they have their own unique dress style, and that's what I like about when you're in tech area. If you're in investment banking, yeah. you've always got to wear wear certain clothes, whereas in tech you don't have to. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I might encourage our uh, CEO Alex to wear a black turtleneck, a la Steve Jobs yeah. this year. You know, <laughs> and then maybe grow a beard like a, uh, like a Branson. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think he could pull it off. <laughs> and maybe when you're getting to do one of those roundabout tracks like Branson did, we're going to go in a balloon round the world or something else. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Well, we are. We're 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 taking Sastock Global, so you know, maybe a balloon is is the answer to doing yeah. that, right? <laughs> so uh, getting back to uh, basics. Yeah. What makes you guys different to other conferences? Yeah. So look. The main thing for us is is all about relevance, right? So yeah. you take a, a larger tech conference and, you know, that's broad-based tech. Um, if you're sitting next to somebody at a lunch table, the chances of them, you know, if you're in B2B SaaS, yeah. like, like I was for years and like all of our um, attendees are, <coughs> if you're in B2B SaaS, the chances of the, somebody sitting next to you being in B2B SaaS um, are slim, right? Yeah. At, a, at a bigger tech conference, they could be in devices, IoT, they could be in blockchain, yeah. they could be in anything, right? B2C. Um, you know, the same with the, the speakers and the content, right? So yeah. everything we do is very specifically around business to business software as a service. So, you know, the person on the stage may be a few steps ahead of you, right? So yeah. they may be, you know, you're trying to get to 1 million in ARR and they're at 5 million or 10 million yeah. in ARR. Um, but ultimately the business model is SaaS. Um, the, the, there's similar challenges, there's similar um, kind of, tools and strategies and, and tactics that you can you can employ to grow your business um, so really in everything we do we try to be really relevant um, so we you know we split our content based on the stage of the company so be it traction kind of that zero to one million in mm-hmm. annual recurring revenue uh, growth which is kind of the one to ten million stage and then the ten million plus which would be scale so if you're you're already in B2B SaaS and then you want to go, well, where's the relevance for me? It's on, you know, I go to the traction stage or the growth stage or the scale stage, depending on the size of my company. And then also we have themes running through the content. So be it sales, marketing, customer success, operations, internationalization, the, the different challenges that are facing B2B SaaS companies. So if you're a, a VP of marketing or, you know, a head of marketing, then you can not only say, well, I'm on the growth stage, but also I'm going to go to the marketing talks and I'm yeah. going to go to the marketing boot camps. So for us, it's just about being hyper relevant. So everybody you meet is relevant. You can have valuable conversations. The content is relevant. Um, and yeah, you get that. That's where the value is, as opposed to kind of going to a show, right? Like we don't do the celebrity thing. Yeah. We don't have footballers or musicians or like astronauts or whatever. Right? Yeah. It's not not really our thing because we're all about actionable insights. We want people to take learnings a way that they can go and deploy in their business the following week or the following day and you know in terms of inspiration you know we do have like big ceos and coos of multi you know multi-million multi-billion dollar companies but we're our brief to all of our speakers is make it actionable make it insightful make it relevant give people something that they can learn that they can take away so that's that's where i see the difference really to and i guess also with your big name the people that only known in the SaaS area so if you get a really big speaker, if you aren't a SaaS, you wonder who they are. Exactly, yeah. Like, you know, we have, like for us, big name speakers are like Claire Hughes-Johnson, who's the CEO of Stripe, right? You know, they're a $20 billion um, SaaS company, right? Obviously founded by by the Collisons from Limerick. Um, Jirish uh, Mathurbudum, the CEO of Freshworks, another like unicorn company, 1.5 million or billion valuation. 
um, Roy O'Driscoll, who you know originally Irish, who's a partner of Scale Venture Partners, right? And he's yeah. he's been an early investor in like Box and DocuSign and Exact Target, all these like you know big 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 SaaS companies. Yeah. So they know you know for us and people in SaaS and like my my background's in SaaS. Those are big names for me. If you're not in SaaS, you're like who, right? You don't know who that is. But uh, from a SaaS perspective, those are those are the kind of big names that we go for. But then there's you know from a speaker's perspective we don't want everybody to be big names either right it's not all like we do have the ceos of huge you know public companies but we also have like you know the founders or the senior marketers or salespeople or customer success people from like growth stage companies right mm-hmm. so take like paddle for example a great uk company um christian owns the ceo he'd be more in the growth stage right so he he's talking about how paddle got from like 3 million in revenue to 10 million over the last two years so if you're at the 1 million stage, yeah. you're going to get a lot more from listening to Christian talk about Paddle and how they overcame, overcame their growth challenges than you would necessarily listening to you know, the CEO of Freshworks talking about how they got from 100 million to a billion. right? Yeah. Um, and you know the same even on the traction stage. We had a great talk um, last year from uh, Clay Smith from Akita. Mm-hmm. They're based over in the Digital Hub. Um, and it was, you know, because again, there's this thing in conferences like how we got from zero to you know one billion in like two weeks right it's like this crazy you know growth stories rocket ships unicorns all those kind of terminology and clay's talk was about how he got from zero to 50 euros in annual recurring revenue in four years right and it was just it was so refreshing it's like the struggle to get that initial traction you never hear that really you don't hear it right so we like to have less you know fist bumping chest bumping like mutual appreciation society aren't we great and it's all success stories but we actually have a whole, a whole kind of trend and theme through the content, which is the struggle. Yeah. Uh, founders and senior execs in SaaS companies, it is a struggle. It's a tough business. Um, there's lots of mistakes, failures. You know, a lot of companies fail. And why do we never hear about them, right? So we want to talk, tell those stories because we feel you actually learn more from failures and mistakes than you do from successes, right? So um, we do talk a lot about the failures, about the mishaps, about the companies that have folded, we, we have a lot of kind of serial entrepreneurs who've maybe failed three or four times before they finally succeeded. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's really important as well, you know. Because I, I feel that at the moment, you never really hear much about who, who's failed and why they failed. No. And if you learn them, I, I know that in America, if you fail two times, it seems a badge of honor. In Ireland, if you fail once, everyone says that you're a pariah. Yeah, which is yeah. Right, it's, it's wrong because surely you learn from your mistakes and, you, and next time you fail better absolutely 100% and like that's the thing like it, it might be a cultural thing with us of, you know you kind of oh someone almost gets blacklisted because they had a failed company right yeah. but it's like as you said in, in the states it's like oh they must have learned a lot from that right and, yeah. and I'll invest in them again right or you know they'll, they'll do better this time um, as you, and it, it's it is I think a culture that is definitely coming over here and you know I think investors are looking more at it as well and they're seeing yeah well I'd say if that looks like Steve Jobs yeah, he he got big very quickly, and then suddenly he fall from grace, mm. and then he came back in. He invested in next, he invested in next, he invested in in Pixar, yeah, and then got back in Apple. But it took him a while to get back to where he was, mm. and it shows that anyone can fail. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and you know, like show me a successful entrepreneur who hasn't failed at some yeah. point, right? They don't really exist, right? It's just, uh, and if you know, it's the whole thing of if you haven't failed and you haven't tried, right? Because um, everybody has. So we we try to create that space where it's like it's okay to talk about your failures it's yeah. actually encouraged to talk about your failures um and people just like in to a certain extent again it's been a therapy session for yeah. for entrepreneurs right who are talking about the hard the hardships that they've had but you know it's there's also lots of um 
kind of you know great success stories as yeah. well right and there's a, there's a balance to be found we don't want to be too depressing but um yeah no it, it's definitely something we try to do because i think i think there is a tendency to just tell success stories yeah right have you ever been to startup week startup week startup week Oh, oh yes, startup wave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, very interesting. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That, I mean, if you think about it, like, if you know, in tech, probably ninety percent of startups fail. Yeah. Well, like, if we're only talking about the ten percent, we're missing out on a lot of. Yeah, but it's good. When fails, so it's good to actually talk about the failures and tell them why they failed. Yeah. You have to go and tell them. So why do you f up? Why did you? Why do you that? Yeah. Uh, I was at one about a couple of years ago. We did, and somebody sink blew sixteen million yeah. Irish pounds in something. I forgot what the idea was. Yeah. And uh, yeah. the thing was, it could have been Sarah Kerry Matthew who was involved in this, and the 16 million was, was gone. Yeah. And of course, it didn't work out, but she's back where she is now, still got a job doing okay. But yeah. you're good to see people who actually learn from their mistakes and uh, yeah, yeah, move yeah. on. I mean, I look at it, if you make a mistake and you screw up, yeah. it doesn't mean to say that you've got to go and jump off a building. Yeah, exactly. There's always, there's always something out there who, who will think, okay, I like what you tried to do. Obviously, you made mistakes, but. Your potential is still there. I want to harness it and Absolutely. and uh, bring me to my company. Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, and like, um, you know, I th- I think as well. Like, if you if you look at you know investors now, like early stage investors, you have some who will just invest in a good team, right? A team who's been around the block before, who's who's seen it, who's made the mistakes, right? And they'll even if they're pre-product or pre-revenue, they'll go, oh, look, I like the team. You know, yeah. like their experience, and and they'll uh, take that on board as as a as a key factor. Um, but yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, I think in terms of of failures, like we had we had an interesting one. Where we do, we do a podcast called The Struggle. Yeah. Um, and it's, as I said, one of the themes for the conference as well. And uh, we we posted this podcast about a company that had folded. And uh, we, you know, put it on our blog and we sent it out over email or whatever, and we're sharing this content. And um, one of our marketing people said, "Oh my God, you know, the company that we just did the podcast on, their website's down. People will be checking out their website's down." And it's like the company folded. <laughs> like, yeah. That's the whole point of the podcast, yeah. right? Of course, the website's down, right? But it was this thing of, "Oh no, their website's down. We'll be driving traffic, and they won't be able." To. It's like, "No, no, the company folded. That's what we're talking yeah. about." It was like two years ago in the business post, they did an yeah. uh, uh, a weekly diary called The Secret Startup. Been very good yeah. about that. Yeah. And there was a guy who had this idea, he wrote about it, how he had a thought and how it worked out. Yeah. And by week two, I knew who it was. And yeah. I actually emailed <laughs> the guy, said, like, actually, I know who you are and what your business is, <laughs> but I'm not going to say a word because I, I don't think it wrote me to say this, but because when you're ready to reveal yourself, I'd like to get you my podcast and talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, at the end of the podcast, after a while, the guy ended up, um, he wrote about eight or nine articles over, over eight or nine weeks, and then he yeah. went off and did it. And then was doing a tour around South America. He's had enough, but he drove him to drink. At one point, really? he was, oh, yeah, because he got bought over. Okay. And he moved to America. He didn't have to uh, buy. He didn't have to tell his co-founders, "We have to buy you out," because they were interested in me, not you. Right. So right. that's the thing when you tell your, your close friends, "Sorry, you're you're out of here." Yeah. yeah and then yeah. when he goes to America, they didn't give him the control he should have had. So they mm. more or less wanted to run the thing and have him there as figurehead. Mm. Sometimes when you're buying a business. If you're buying a person to help develop it, that person knows how it should work, and surely you should mm. ever run in there independently mm. and don't uh, say to the guy, "Okay, you're part of us now, and we're gonna have a guy running for you." Yeah, so yeah, this person yeah. turned to drink, okay, and he came into work hangover and late and drunk because he yeah. knew nothing to do. Yeah, well, yeah, well, that you're kind of wasting an asset there, aren't you, with somebody who's built a business to where it is today, right? If you acquire it and then yeah. make them kind of I'm redundant. Not sure how well it's doing now, but at the time it was a very interesting idea. Yeah. And then he, he, he got so far with it, he thought, this is going great, it's going well. But after mm. a while, 
basically when he's bought over, the Americans thought it could go global. Mm. And it could do if it's handled right. Mm. But the thing is, whenever you buy a business, you're also buying the person who developed it. Like, yeah. imagine if, if Facebook had uh, one about WhatsApp, the two guys above it didn't go with them. Yeah. It, it wouldn't have, and for, for, for a while it was kept independently run. Yeah. And now those two guys are gone because of whatever Facebook are doing, but they were there yeah. for quite a while. Yeah. And they ran it independently, which is what it should be done. Yeah. You don't buy businesses, then suddenly say, okay, like yeah. if Ford were to go and buy a Ferrari and say, okay, we're going to put in a Ferrari a Ford Mondeo engine, and that's it. You don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like when Fiat uh, owned Ferrari, they keep it independently. Yeah. And then when when Ferrari bought Maserati, independently, they don't have yeah. to share much in common. They said, no, no, you keep the way it is because yeah. you're boutique, you're high end, yeah, and yeah, a lot yeah. of startups are going to get them. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I, th- I think that you know absolutely makes sense. I like. Like there's a lot of obviously acquisition going on at the moment, and it's inter- it will be interesting to see how you know how companies are are integrated in that sense, right? Like you know Google buying Looker or Salesforce buying Tableau, yeah. or, you know like there's um and, and tons more besides, right? But there, there's definitely a, a consolidation starting to happen in in, in the SaaS industry, um with you know. I guess it's just saturation, right? You take like yeah. you take like the Martech. Can we talk about the Martech five thousand? It's actually about seven thousand now, yeah. um, in twenty nineteen. So seven thousand Martech SaaS companies, um, and it's they're, they're just you know so many that obviously the, this consol- consolidation is bound to happen, and there'll be the big the big companies like Microsoft and, and Salesforce and Google kind of hoovering up. Um, you know the smaller smaller SaaS companies, and but it is it is again down to how well they're integrated. It, you know if if they're allowed to run independently and and maintain their kind of differentiation competitive advantage that they had, or if they're just you know sucked into a, a, a massive corporate and and the, the value that they actually expected to get from acquiring it is not realized, yeah. right? Um, but you know it it will be interesting to see because we're going to see a lot more I think acquisitions in the SaaS space. Um, over the next few years. Yeah, I'm worried if somebody buys it just because it feels this competitor. I mean, we kind of threat it. So we'll buy it threat out. Or at times you see you who think, well, you guys are going to do what you do, mm. but we feel that under our brand name and, and uh, with the money we have, we can yeah. bring you uh, uh, to yeah. another stage. Yeah, in a lot of cases, it's, you know, it's just the case of like, if you're, well, first off, customer acquisition has become really, really expensive, right? So yeah. like trying to get new customers in enterprise software and in SaaS has just become really, really expensive. Um, and that's, you know, marketing costs and sales costs and all the rest and, and sales efficiency has kind of decreased, right? And, and like sales per rep and all that kind of stuff is reducing. So if you're a senior exec in Salesforce and you want to know how am I going to add another, uh, you know, 500 million to revenue next year, um, I'm probably going to go and try and acquire uh, a company and like something adjacent. So say we're doing CRM, yeah. I'll go buy a sales enablement platform or a lead generation platform or, or product and and sell that to my base. Right? Yeah. I have this big customer base. They're just using my CRM. So if I can acquire a new product, label it up as Salesforce or whatever yeah. it is, and then, you know, drive that through, um, drive that through the customer base I already have, then that's a lot cheaper. It's a lot cheaper and more efficient to sell more products into an existing base as a big company than to actually try and acquire brand new customers, right? Because yeah, particularly al- in a saturated market. Yeah. And also, I guess, if you're developing a new product, it takes time and money to do it. If you can buy something off the shelf and, and yeah. put it in there, that's saving you a lot of time. This is it. And they're cash rich. I mean, the, the likes <coughs> of Microsoft and Google and Salesforce, I mean, yeah. they're sitting on these big stockpiles of cash, right? And they, and they need to deploy it. Yeah. So um, I think, you know, and it's not just... It's not just your, um, you know, direct competitors say, you know, they're buying like buying up another 
CRM system if you're if you're Salesforce, but actually looking at adjacent markets, what would be complementary? What would uh, you know? What else could we layer on top of our existing customer yeah. base? At the end of the day, like retention has become the big thing, right? Like reducing churn, customer success is now a massive trend in software as a service, and not even a trend. It's like fundamental fundamentals of your business is to retain your customers because acquisition is so expensive and so difficult to do in, in a saturated market so um yeah i think i think definitely um that that's a big one i think as well on the acquisition side like how do you differentiate among 7000 martech yeah. you know martech um saas companies and i think what a great example is the guys in drift um what they've done with their brand right so yeah. like they do similar features that they'd kill me for saying it to say the likes of intercom or yeah. you know hubspot and that like the you know the, the web chat and all that kind of thing and, and they've kind of taken that to a whole other level of like created a category conversational marketing and created this brand and this almost like cult around drift right yeah. whether people are buying it because they love the brand and they love everything drift do the way they talk the way they like you know en- engage with their customers and everything and it's not it's not feature dif- differentiation it's not like well they do x y and z features versus x y and z features in intercom it's like no we just really like those guys and we like the brand right so they're not everybody can do it but it's a, we're doing a great job of that as well but to me for them is the name do you drift yeah yeah it's, like, it's something when you hear about it it's something you can use like do you who do you drift yeah, yeah, yeah. like do you hope spot it do you drift it's, yeah it's, it's, it, 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 yeah yeah it's a it's a it's a verb it's always a good one yeah right? yeah um, but yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. Um, re, you know, really cool company. We'll have the guy. We'll have Dave Gerhardt and the VP of Marketing from Drift at Sastock as well. But he talks about, um, you know, category creation and and brand as a differentiator and brand because like a lot of, you know, growth marketers, growth um, focused people in SaaS companies tend to be very much on the metrics, right? And it's like um, cost per leads, and you know, yeah. we're looking at paid channels. We're looking at the likes of you know um g2 crowd and gartner digital markets and and obviously um google ads and all that kind of stuff and how we acquire leads um but you know take it up a level to your your brand and how that will if you get if you nail the brand that will make everything else easier and cheaper throughout the funnel same positioning like someone like april dunford and from rocket lodge marketing she talks a lot about um positioning and how you get getting your positioning right is like you know, again, we'll make everything yeah. a lot easier further down the line, right? So, um, yeah, um, lots of, lots of kind of interesting stuff going on there. All right. So, why did you Dublin for your flagship conference? Yeah. Look. So, I mean, there's a, there's a few reasons. I mean, obviously, you know, Alex, uh, CEO, is is a Londoner. Uh, I'm actually from Wexford, but uh, based in Dublin. Um, and I think we, you know, if we we're looking between London and Dublin, there were there were a few things. Um, one, obviously, it's home to a lot of great indigenous SaaS companies, yeah. right, in Dublin. So, likes of Forest and Glowfox, Box Ever, Excelco, Newswhip. That you know, list yeah. goes on. And as well, you have to obviously the multinational SaaS companies, right? So like your HubSpots and Slacks and Workdays yeah. and Rikes and, you know, again, you know, the EMEA HQ for a lot of the B2B SaaS companies is here. Um, it's, for us, it was really like, you know, small conference and the first year, 750 people. Like you do that in London and you kind of get lost, right? You don't yeah. really make an impact. Um, whereas in Dublin, 
with you know 750 people people know what's going on people, yeah. you know we're we're doing pub crawls around the city and people go oh what's that you know who are all these like tech nerds going around yeah. the place right with 4,000 people we really kind of take over right and we do our our SAS city on the first day of the conference on the Monday which is like we with 15 locations all over Dublin where we're doing workshops on specific topics so we're doing workshops on pricing and product and sales and for CEOs and very various different topics um, and then you know we're doing kind of bringing all those people together afterwards for a welcome party and all that kind of thing and we're really making an impact in the city right yeah. like you can it's like a festival atmosphere that create and it's easy to get around and it's easy for everybody to get together um, it's, it's also a destination city right people yeah. look for excuse to come to Dublin like we get about 20 25% of our attendees come from North America would they come if it was in the UK maybe not and look London great city as well and not yeah. so we won't do something in London in the future but um, in terms of Dublin is, is that great like destination city that people kind of love to come to it's like an excuse to come to Dublin yeah. almost right um, the other thing was the ecosystem right so we like we did our first um, SAS it was actually SAS Gribe uh, meetup um, back in 2015 or 16 and it was you know the support again the ecosystem in terms of like accelerators incubators the, the investors um, the state agencies even yeah. like the you know all of these and I won't name drop any of them because there's so many but like we've had support from everybody you can name and everyone is really keen yeah. to support get involved whereas you know I think Ireland was kind of crying out for something like this. Um, obviously, there was the timing as well with um, with Web Summit moving yeah. um, to to Lisbon the same year. Um, we're not a direct competitor of of, uh, of Web Summit. We're not, you know, we don't try to compete with Web Summit. Um, we're great friends with the guys there, yeah. and you know, um, we work together well. But uh, you know, obviously, just that that slot for a tech conference in Dublin was probably probably needed as well. So lots of reasons I think. But um ultimately it's been it's been great success. We yeah. we love it and we're you know we're committed to to Dublin for for the foreseeable future as well, right? So Yeah, that's that's good because over the years you've actually like web so much you've grown each year you've grown mm. bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. But the main thing is make sure you don't grow too big. Yeah, exactly. So for us and I mentioned earlier about the relevance um and if you know how do you grow a B2B SaaS conference, right? And the first thing is, as the market grows, you'll grow, right? Yeah. So as more B2B SaaS companies emerge, then that's, you know, a greater pool of potential attendees for us, right? That's one thing. But the other side of it is, if you want to grow it quickly, you can either broaden your scope. So, yeah. we're, you know, we're B2B software as a service. If we said we're a tech conference, if we said we're a software conference, but we also do B2C or whatever, then that automatically gives us a much bigger addressable market. But the people who love the conference and have been coming yeah. for the last three, four years won't get the same value because it won't be as relevant anymore. Yeah. So instead of, you know, growing and saying, right, we're going to... And the, the other side of it is you can go down to the chain. So we can say, well, we're going to get students and we're going to get, you know, junior entry-level people or whatever. But, you know, fine to a certain extent, but, you know, the vast, vast majority of our attendees are founders, entrepreneurs, senior executives, right? Yeah. Um, and again, you know, you if you dilute that the value for those people is is not the same and um, so rather than uh do either of those things what we're doing is just taking it to different regions basically right so and keep the same value the same focus the same relevance value proposition of the conference and bring it to 
Latin America. So we did our first conference in Sao Paulo this year, um, Sastok Latam. We've done Asia, Sastok Asia and Hong Kong. Um, we've done East Coast in New York. We have West Coast coming up in San Francisco. And then we have uh, Australasia, which we're doing in Sydney. Um, so keeps the same focus, keeps the same relevance, same proposition, um, and just bringing it to the different regions. So we're growing by expanding the geographically, really, yeah. rather than rather than like uh, diluting it and, and growing the attendees. Because it happens with everything. It happens with like music festivals, yeah. you know? Like, you know, Witness was great, and then it became Oxygen, and then it went too mainstream, and then, you know, yeah. and then it was full of kids, and people didn't want to go. The people who loved yeah. Witness originally didn't want to go anymore. And like, you know, the same thing happens with... with you know, electric picnic and whatever like these things get diluted as they become more mainstream and more popular so trying to stick really to our mission which is to help SaaS companies gain traction grow and scale um, and we're we're not you know we're, we're not going to do anything that um, dilutes that or reduces the relevance for those people I guess you're also you're a bit like Web Summit and they've got one main conference and then four or five other ones throughout the world. Yeah, yeah. So Web Summit, a brilliant job at that as well. Obviously, yeah. I mean, the Rise uh, happening in Hong Kong at the moment. Um, you know, you have Collision uh, in Toronto. So and, and brilliant, you know, and yeah. brilliant conferences and like the the same proposition really, right? Yeah. They, they, you know, different branding or whatever, yeah. but they deliver the same great experience in, in all those cities and um, and for us it's yeah similar thing obviously we've kind of tied it to hubs of um you know b2b SaaS communities right so obviously you want to have one in san francisco because that's where like yeah. half the world software companies are um there's a big ecosystem on the east coast between you know boston and new york and you know even down to atlanta and, and up as far as toronto and then you know um hong kong and singapore and and then yeah, Australasia. Like there's been some amazing companies come out of um, come out of Australia in recent years, and um, so yeah, there's we're we're kind of going where the SaaS community is basically, right? And are you going to a Utah? Uh, we not yet. I mean, we for West Coast, like it's a yeah. regional conference, so um, people do travel in yeah. um, from outside of town, like you know. In the case of Dublin, only fifteen percent of our attendees last year were were Irish, yeah. right? And everyone else, eighty five percent, came from outside of Ireland. Um, so we, we're, it's very much a global conference, and the you know West Coast is very much a regional conference. So you know we expect to have people coming from Vancouver and people yeah. coming right. So um, with Utah, definitely there's been a, there's been a lot of tech companies setting yeah. up there, right? And like the just even with like San Francisco becoming so expensive and like unsustainable in terms of like you know, pe- like hiring people, where are they going to live? Like, yeah. how are they going to, you know, sub- um, kind of stay there? So um, there's there's lots of kind of really interesting uh, cities like popping up as Because yeah, like, I find hubs. that uh, Utah, I'm thinking it's a great place. I'm thinking is if it's, as it's totally Mormon central, how do techie minkies actually manage to live there and be able to do what they do? Because yeah, if, if Mormons had lived, lived a certain lifestyle, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I think they're pretty accepting, you know. I mean, uh, with a previous company, we had a customer in Utah, and we went to visit, and you know, we we it's some good business there, yeah. right? Like, I think uh, I think they're open to to the tech community and and supportive, you know. But obviously, the tech community can't just roll in and and kind of. Uh, expect it to be the same in San Francisco or, or London yeah, or Dublin either, right? You need to be sensitive to the culture and, you know, the Mormon kind of 
way of life as well. So it's, uh, yeah, I'm sure it'll, there'll be yeah. some interesting, maybe Mormon SaaS companies will pop out of it, right? Yeah, I can see some of them better. We're going to have a conference there and do a pub crawl around, around you. Yeah. So I see, it's not going to happen. Right, it might be, might be a little bit, little bit on the insensitive yeah. side to do that, right? So, um, whereas in Dublin, it's just another pub crawl, right? Yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> it's the culture here and people kind of expect it when they come to Dublin, but it's not, you know, we don't, at the same time, it's like, we're, we're very much on the, um, uh, on the side of like trying to make the conference inclusive and, and diverse as well so it's not you know um, overly say male yeah. or overly um, kind of I guess drinking culture either like yes there's definitely an element of people come to Dublin they want to have a bit of a party as well but like we make a lot you know we, we put on other activities that aren't aren't drinking focused yeah. and you know make sure that there's spaces in the conference for like for parents so they can bring the kids or you know those kind of things so it's, it's very much uh, trying to keep it trying to keep it very inclusive um, but as I said look it's, it's it's definitely one of the factors why people want to come to Dublin is you know the, the nightlife and, and they have a good time while they're here and you know they do lots of networking and and there's look it's like it's like anything there's there's deals done there's like funding rounds yeah. made in like uh in copper is at two in the morning right like <laughs> yeah. uh, it does happen <laughs> so yeah but um yeah look dublin it, for us is is a perfect destination the rds is a, is a great location it's it's uh it suits us um down to the ground really so yeah we're um we're really happy with it. Yeah, I think it's just the right size for you guys because I know that because you're, you're B2B SaaS, mm. if you're growing bigger, growing bigger it means you add on another day in the conference yeah. rather than actually uh, get to a bigger room or anything or add more people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And look, you know, as I said, the growth will be more, you know, we'll, we'll continue to grow the Dublin conference, but uh, while making sure to keep it relevant. And like we doubled it every year for the first three years, yeah. right? So we went from 750 to 1500 to 3000. And this year, because we've added in all the other global conferences, we said, well, you know, we're not going to go from three to six or we'll yeah. go from three to four because, you know, ultimately we're adding all those other attendees and the growth is still happening. It's just happening in different regions. I think you've got to make sure there's always Wi-Fi working. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Wi-Fi is yeah. very important. Yeah, Wi-Fi and coffee. If you if you, yeah. if you want to keep tech people happy, make sure there's good Wi-Fi and good coffee. And I've seen guys for conferences and had a stand at the RDS. Mm. And uh, the stand was what their showcase was need a Wi-Fi to work, mm. and I was working, and I'm thinking, well, sorry about that. They can't show me a product because there's no Wi-Fi. The Wi-Fi is so bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found that at a couple of conferences now recently, it's it's less of an issue than it used to be because of EU roaming. Right? Yeah. Uh, that you know, I can be at a conference in London and not even think about the Wi-Fi. Yeah. And just you know, go on to 4G and work away as if yeah. I'm at home. Whereas you know, with us, obviously, 85 percent of attendees roaming. Yeah. Uh, Wi-Fi needs to be good. Right? Yes. Um, but yeah, a uh, little bit less strain, hopefully, with the uh, EU roaming regulation. Yeah, and hopefully, basically, the RDS is as as uh, built as ramped up what they have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and look, it, it's it is a great venue, and like, it's just so much more conducive to to networking and to to kind of going around and meeting people than say a hotel or you know even you know some of the bigger conference centers it's all on one level yeah it's all easily you, know, you can kind of see what's going on you can move around whereas say if like your exhibitors are on one level and then your content's on the other level you have a lot of people who never see your exhibitors yeah. right or any other way around so it's it's great to have it all on one level and then there's a big queue for lifts on the, on, on the stairs going up and you don't want yeah. that anyway you cause blockages like yeah, she comes yeah. where you go to the we go somewhere convention center i mean you're yeah. stuck 
someone's on level one, you're on level, you can't get up because some yeah. speaker's speaking level one and until his crowd has gone into the room he's speaking and he can't go up. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So we try to look, you know, it's, it's all, uh, you know, stuff that we try to improve year on year, um, making sure that, you know, people can get around easily, that, you know, we've done a lot of work on the agenda this year to make it clearer, to make it, you know, for people, as I said, who are in the different functions within SaaS companies to know where to go to find the relevant content for them. Um, and just, you know, event apps and yeah. all these kind of things just to make the, the on-site experience that, that bit more seamless um, for people. Because, uh, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're a tough crowd, the tech crowd, right? Yeah. They're, we, we have high standards and um, you want to deliver a really, really great experience. So, you know, we always get, we get great feedback, but we're always trying to improve as well. So hopefully this year will be an improvement again on, on last year. Yeah, earlier you mentioned some speakers. Are there any ones I think are going to be ones to watch out for in the future? Yeah, I mean, um, personally, uh, really excited to see Roy Driscoll. As I mentioned, he's uh, Scale Venture Partners, yeah. um, 25 years um, investing in enterprise SaaS. Um, we had him on our podcast recently. It's, it's a good listen, but like, you know, early investor in, as I said, Box, DocuSign, Exact Target, Reich, like, a guy knows yeah. enterprise SaaS, right? And he sits on the board of tons of companies and he's seen inside so many different companies and has that insight about like what what really works in terms of growing a company um, and yeah I think that'll be really interesting I think as well there, what we bring as well is like a lot of specialists um, so you do have your you know CEOs and founders of the different stages of the companies depending on where you're at but then you know say like Aaron Ross for example he's the CEO or co-CEO of Predictable Revenue yeah. so Aaron was um, responsible for building out the original business development sales development function at Salesforce um, and he wrote the book Predictable Revenue right which is kind of the book on yeah. sales development right so anybody who's SDR BDR building out sales teams or building out um, sales functions like he's the he's a big name in, in that space and and uh, will have a lot to offer like similar say on the pricing side Patrick Campbell from Profitwell like he's the guy for pricing if you want to know about pricing go to his work go to his boot camp go to his talk um and you know he, he's excellent on that um on say the marketing side people like april dunford who i mentioned or dave gerhardt from drift or um our own kieran flanagan right from from hubspot vp yeah. marketing at hubspot excellent speaker um we have him actually we're we're launching our first local dublin event um which is on the 25th of july um in the academy building actually here where, where we yeah. are right here and um kieran is the, one of the keynote speakers at that um connor keppel from forest um julie curd from initify ray uh, ray coppinger from teamwork so they're kind of you know people in the irish SaaS scene yeah. who have been like at the forefront of growing these great companies um and are just so generous in sharing their insights and sharing their knowledge sometimes i wonder you know it's like uh, they're so generous like Kieran posts about it sometimes and he'll say like you know you, you try something out you test it you come up with an idea you try it out you test it it works and the first thing you do in, in tech is blog about it yeah. do a podcast and tell the whole world and then you see people copying you and you're like Oh, maybe I shouldn't have, maybe I shouldn't have told the whole world right yeah. but the guys are so generous with, with their um, with their time so uh, yeah I think I think there's, there's as I said there's the like the CEO founder people from the different stages of companies and then there's these specialists and for me as like I'm a marketer right and my background is, is in SaaS marketing and last year at SaaS Talk I just like went to all the marketing talks and all the growth talks and you know Ryan Benici from G2 Crowd and April Dunford and Dave Garhart and um, uh, 
Eric Sue from Single Grain, and there's so many like great kind of specialist speakers, yeah. you know. So that that's that for me is where I get the real value. I love seeing like you know, um, say uh, the guys the guys from Intercom, for example, like Des Trainer, right? And it's like for it's it's like inspirational, aspirational yeah. stuff. And uh, but you know, <clears throat> Des again is great on like product customer success stuff like that. Really like really great speaker um and you know you look at intercom and you're kind of wow like what a success story you know and there's a lot to be learned from it so yeah looking forward to seeing des as well um but as a marketer excited about the marketing stuff and if i were in sales i'd be looking at like i said steady fd from close yeah. jacko van der Kooch from winning by design um the really specialist b2b SaaS sales experts from like all over the world we're bringing them bringing them to dublin so that's you know that's what i'd be kind of focusing on is what's the most relevant for me and and what can i get the most out of yeah and what trends are you seeing happening in ireland and worldwide sure yeah so like i think in terms of SaaS from a from a technology perspective i mean it'll come as no surprise anyone asks about trends and the response is generally ai and machine learning right but i think definitely SaaS, like I think AI was something that SaaS companies said they did for quite some time and yeah. didn't really do, and now you have even in, in here in Ireland and Dublin, like you have the likes of Box Ever who are you know genuinely implementing AI um to give like really personalized um uh, experience to to customers and like Newswip, Logo Grab, those yeah. kind of companies um based here in Ireland who are who are genuinely implementing AI as part of their platforms. And, you know, they talked about Rory O'Driscoll earlier, like his, his key thing that he's looking for now is, is companies, enterprise software companies that are leveraging AI. Cause you can see, you know, the, from all the data that's been generated and, you know, um, just the, the scale that things have gone to in, in terms of data that AI is almost just necessary now. Um, and I think that it's it's becoming actually a differentiator for yeah. for companies as opposed to just being like yeah yeah we do AI you know it's like um it it's it's starting to it's been delivering a lot of value on the consumer side for quite some time um but in the enterprise space it's starting to actually you know make make sense now yeah. uh, for me anyway I think from a business model perspective we're still seeing like in Ireland as well like some of the, if you look at some of the really good companies to come out of um come out of Ireland and SaaS companies it's been a vertical SaaS model so yeah. they've been focusing on the on verticals like say Forest you know doing salon software and Glowfox are doing like uh, gym management software yeah. right and they're they've been very focused on a particular vertical and owning that vertical and just like serving that specific kind of customer really really well um but then it's coming down a level then as well to like micro SaaS, right? So you have these companies like um, like Send to My Cloud, right? And basically it's, you know, you create a site where somebody can upload a document to your Google Drive or your Dropbox mm-hmm. or whatever. And that's it, right? That's what they do. Yeah. So you've gone from like a HubSpot, which is a marketing automation that does yeah. everything you can think of, tons of features, huge platform. They've even gone into CRM, really, really broad um to like these micro companies that are do one specific solve one specific problem and do it really well and that's it and um they might be small companies but they tend to be really efficient might be one person or a really small team um typically remote um and they just do that one thing really well but like they're say they're you know one of the metrics for a SaaS company is like revenue per employee for example these guys tend to be really really good on revenue per, per employee like really efficient um do that one thing do it really really well really focused and that's that seems to be happening there's like an unbundling 
It's yeah. like, I could use this one platform that does everything, but actually there's this one tool that does that bit better and there's another tool that does that little bit better. Yeah. Um, so you end up with kind of, and, and because integrations have become such a like a common thing or you can you can have a hundred tools and have them all integrated and working yeah. together as opposed to having to get one platform that does everything in order for them to work together um and then look as, as i said i think uh consolidation is is gonna ha- start happening as well right now i was listening to uh, ray nolan from excelco last week at a sas network ireland event um and he you know he just he's, he was right in saying that um sas companies are actually really similar if you like all SaaS yeah. companies, like ninety percent the same. It's kind of his thing, right? But yeah. it's like, you're if you take out the what you put on the screen, the actual interface, like the the software itself, the business, a SaaS business, they're all very very similar in terms of their model, in terms of how they work, in terms of how they operate. Um, so they're actually ripe to be consolidated you know, yeah. because the consolidation is not, you know, you're not trying to put two companies together that have nothing in common you know they're they can actually be very very similar um it's just a, a different maybe you know problem that they're solving yeah um so yeah i think the likes of as said salesforce google microsoft um will really hoover up and consolidate a lot of companies over the next few years um and look that's that's opportunity for entrepreneurs as well if that's yeah. what they're looking for right you uh, mentioned earlier about companies that basically do one certain area have you ever heard of corvo no, I they're a company based in Dublin and I and I just see and they just do AI for uh, for stock markets. Mm. So they can actually tell it can it can tell if it's a trade suspicious. Oh, okay. So it keeps tra- track and it's used it all over the world yeah. and they use New York, yeah. London, yeah. Frankfurt. You name it, it's open. You Hong Kong, they'll use it. Yeah. And it can tell you within minseconds if there's if there's a suspicious trade. Yeah. No, it, it's it's like absolutely. You find that one like problem yeah. and if it's valuable enough if it's like if it's enough of a problem for a market um that's of a, enough of a size you can actually have a viable business out of it you'll never be like a huge you know you, you might even be like vc ready right vc might think yeah. the market the addressable market's too small but you can bootstrap a really good business and make a really good viable business on solving that one key problem yeah well really they well. came out of trinity college and one of the yeah. one of their friends was a professor at trinity college and they found this idea okay and right now there's a name you mightn't have heard of, but every stock market in the world, big one is using them. There you go. And it underpins it. It's a bit like he's like yeah. an unknown SaaS secret. Yeah. You won't know. Yeah. But these guys don't don't need to go promote themselves because they've got the customers uh, <laughs> already there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as long as their product is good and and works well, no one's going to go on somewhere else, and no one's going to come in and suddenly challenge them. Yeah. Because yeah. if they, if you've been there for years yeah. doing this product, yeah. and to come in and try and challenge them and beat them is hard to do. It's like Forrest, what they do with no one done what they did for what they were doing. Yeah. And now, Crank P gets at me, you've got no chance because yeah. of one clients I have. And this is Corvo, very similar. Yeah. They're doing a great product. And I just see, which is in the heart of France in Dublin, they've got a great, great place where they are. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, yeah. And I'm impressed with what they've been doing. Yeah, it makes sense. And like, it, it, there was definitely a marriage of um, in, in Dublin of like the the finance sector, the IFSC, yeah. with the guys in Silicon Dock or Grand Canal Dock across the way. Um, which ended up in a lot of really good fintech companies, right? It's like they kind of, yeah. like, oh, like half the world's finance companies are across the river there. We should probably go over and see if we can solve some problems for them, right? Yeah, I, I got uh, a podcast for you. I didn't uh, know who they were. I, yeah, uh, yeah, Corvo, yeah. then, because they're, yeah. they're kind of thing that we some companies in SaaS yeah. you never hear about. Yeah. Unless you go yeah. to, like, for Forrest, only with them, because I was going to a, a, a meetup. Yeah. And one of the guys in Forest was was actually was talking at it. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. how I knew who Forest were. Yeah, yeah, they're a fantastic company, right? And like, um, I think 
they're they're focused on their vertical. So yeah. if you're a salon owner, you'll have heard of El Forest, yeah. right? And if you're a gym owner, you'll have heard of Glow. That's Fox. what I mean, yeah. And the, the guys don't worry too much about it after that, right? You yeah. know, they they've built a brand and they've built that um identity within their own vertical, and and that's that's what matters for those guys, you know. So I think like Box Server was the same, and that's an interesting one because. You know, they were a travel tech yeah. company, right? Or, um, you know, travel was the vertical they focused on. And they just recently, you know, signed a couple of banks, right? Yeah. And they've gone into the finance space. So it'll be interesting to see um, how that one works, right? If, if you kind of, you know, build your build your business and on one specific vertical and then you go, you know what, this is really applicable to this other vertical over here. So let's let's give that a shot as well. So it'll be interesting to see how, how that one works. Yes, out. you know, a lot of companies now looking at going in, getting involved in uh, Salesforce Suite. Yeah, so they've got a product, and it's a that's a great product. I want to uh, see if, if we can actually go in and be part of the suite. So yeah. you get a lot more SaaS companies doing that now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it you know on the Salesforce platform, you, you see a lot of companies building on top of the Salesforce platform and yeah. building really big businesses. You know, on top of yeah. of Salesforce, right? So, um, you know, uh, and and I'm sure you know uh, the same thing will happen with with Google and Microsoft and and that as well. You know, so. I think in long term, you might actually end up joining with with Salesforce in the long term. Yeah, I mean, the the rumor is that Microsoft tried or approached Salesforce about an acquisition a few years back, um, and Salesforce uh, Mark Benioff told them to get stuffed. Yeah. Um, I think it was seventy billion was the offer at the time, and the rumor was that you know Benioff said make it ninety, right? But so um, Microsoft decided to to kind of. invest in its own CRM and dynamics, yeah. you know. Um, but, yeah, and, and like even, you know, you look at Slack, um, you know, Slack is kind of going head-to-head with Microsoft now as well. And it's got to that level yeah. where, you know, it's just gone public. Um, it's still a potential acquisition, but it's at that level where it could actually become like a, a direct competitor with those guys, right, rather than just getting to a, a point where they're big enough where Microsoft yeah. go, I will buy it. Um, I think Slack are moving past that. You know, yeah, so it'd be really interesting to see how that whole like messaging productivity space develops over the next few years, and whether like Microsoft have just recently, um, you know, became like the the biggest, uh, briefly, but the biggest yeah. uh, uh, tech company in the world, right? And it's like that's on the back of Office three six five, which is yeah. their cloud productivity solution, right? And um, you know, that's you would think that the challengers would be the ones who are doing really well, but it's still those big old names are still doing pretty well. Yeah. It, right. So there's, there's a, there's room for everything in the SaaS space, but there, there has to be some sort of consol- consolidation in the next few years. So yeah. I've seen more of them are going to actually, we can't beat them joining them because Microsoft, I remember the comments of theirs yeah. about four years ago yeah. and I was checking in with a media partner. And at that point, uh, Balmer had just left, which yeah, was yeah. a good thing. They were selling comments. When half the guys in the room run were on Max, I'm thinking, yeah. I didn't expect it. And, and yeah. two or three guys were actually using Linux as an, as an OS. Right. But they were using Azure. Yeah. And they were yeah, saying, yeah. You know, we've changed. And what they're now saying is that the, the guy who came in to go over used to be a coder. Yeah. And he yeah. figured that basically Windows is not going to is not going to be uh, our end product. We're going to have a product like Office or Azure yeah. that people are going to use. Yeah. So why don't focus on ROS? Why don't focus yeah. on their products? And no matter what computer you have, yeah, your backbone, part of your backbone is going to be Microsoft. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, no, no, Satya Nadella was great. Like yeah. he, he kind of freed that up, right? And he, like, well, excuse me, one of the first things he did was uh, to make Office available on the iPad. Yeah. Because the iPad, like, they, 
Bomber was kind of sticking with the the notion of the Surface, right? The Surface tablet, Microsoft yeah. one, and competing against Apple, and like clutching at straws, you know, like flogging a dead horse, whatever you want to call it. Like it wasn't. Yeah. Um, Surface cool device and everything else, but the iPad had won yeah. that tablet market battle, um, and Nadella was, you know, yeah. had the foresight to go. Let's just make our software available on the iPad, and it was yeah. probably a billion dollars of revenue that yeah. he, it, overnight that he just, you know, they had it built and they were sitting on it. Yeah. Just make it available. Thanks so much for that, and uh, have a great day and good luck at the conference. Thanks very much, Ronan. Thanks for having me on. No problem.